Good morning, Cross Point. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. So, kids, you can be released and make your way back to the back corner where Miss Jenny is waiting there for you. You'll see her holding the flag back there. And for the remainder, if you will turn with me to Mark chapter 10. We are going to be looking at verses 13 through 31 as we've been slowly making our way through the gospel of Mark. Now, again, just to put it into a frame of, of where we are and where we're going in this book, if you remember, the first eight chapters have dealt with the question of who is Jesus? We've seen Jesus be proclaimed as the Messiah. He has power and authority and teaching over the spiritual world, over the, the, the physical world. And then in chapters 8 through 10, it's asking and answering the question, what does it mean for Jesus to be the Messiah? And really to help answer that question is where we find ourselves today in today's passage, where we're going to see a young man come before Jesus, kneel before him, and ask this heart-wrenching question, what must I do to be saved? Now, in this question, as we approach it, I want you to hear his heart. This man who is young, he has accomplished many things. The other Gospels tell us that he's a ruler. He has position and respect in the community. He has wealth. He has all of these things. And yet he's going to fall at the feet of Jesus and say, is it enough? Am I good enough? What more do I need to do? Because while in the world's eyes, this man seems like someone that you would want to introduce to your daughter. When he looks in the mirror, he feels the lack. He feels the brokenness. He feels the vulnerability. He's like, I've tried, but it just doesn't feel like it's enough. What more do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus is going to look at this young man with a genuine and deep love. And yet, when he hears, when this young man hears the words of Jesus, his heart is downcast. And he will walk away in deep, deep grief. And so, my encouragement as we approach this passage this morning is will you bring your insecurities? The longings inside that we try to hide, that we try to project confidence, that inner child that wonders, is it enough? Have, have I done enough? It, is there too much shame? Is there too much guilt? Is there not enough good? What more do I need to do, Jesus? Because I'm standing here and my prayer, my deep, deep prayer is that in response to hearing the words of Jesus this morning, that we will reach out with gratitude rather than run away in grief. And so let's pray and then dive in. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have in your word today. And I believe that it is because of your providence that today in this moment we are together in this passage, that this is what you have for us. And so, Lord, would you help us to sit underneath the authority of your word together? Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you convict? Would you comfort? Would you draw our hearts to you? Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So we'll be looking at verses 13 through 31, but, but I want to begin just with 13 through 16. And, it, it, and there's this story that precedes before we're going to meet this, this young man who kneels before Jesus. And beginning in verse 10, it says this, and they were bringing children to Jesus that Jesus might touch them and, and bless them. And the disciples then began to rebuke the parents who were bringing these kids. The, the disciples are rebuking the children. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom like a child shall not enter it. And he took them into his arms and blessed them, laying hands on them. See, children today are viewed much differently than they were in the first century. Like today, we see children as, as valuable, and, but the re- reality is, is in much of the first century... Children were not valued in that way. It wasn't until the, the Christianity began to spread that we actually began to see cultures change. For instance, in Rome, it was customary to have, it was called the practice of exposure. That if you got tired of your child, the dad could just put the child out in the elements to let them die, and that was perfectly legal. That That was not outlawed until 375 A.D. in the Roman Empire, after Christianity had become the dominant religion. Children were considered insignificant, unimportant. They consumed and they did not contribute. They were poor, they were powerless, they were needy, they took resources, they did not provide resources. And so here's Jesus, and the disciples are thinking they have to protect Jesus. He's the Messiah, right? He's going to be going to Jerusalem, and he's going to be enthroned as the king of the Jews. You don't become king by interacting with the poor and insignificant and powerless. You need to to be with the rulers and the wealthy and the powerful. So to protect Jesus, they're like, get away. His time's too valuable. Don't you know who this is? This is the Messiah. This is the the king of the Jews. We're going to Jerusalem where he's going to be lifted high and enthroned. Back away. Move away. And Jesus is indignant. It's this mixture of, of deep grief and anger for pushing these children away. He's like, let them come. Not only let them come. But he's like, unless you receive the kingdom of God like one of these children, then you won't receive it at all. Jesus completely turns the tables. I I want you to imagine with me a child reaching up to you. Right? Like, I I think about this because my daughter is, is pregnant. She's due with our first grandchild, a little girl in. August, and I have this image in my mind of one day my granddaughter looking at me and saying, pop, pop, and stretching her arms out to me. I think about this because I'm scared to death that I'm just going to start bawling as soon as it happens. I start to like want to cry now as I think about this sweet moment. Now, when that happens, do you you think I'm going to say to that child, like, what did you bring me? Like, flowers, chocolates, anything? Like, are you going to help, like, 
pay mortgage or mow the lawn or wash the car? Like, what do I get out of this? You're just going to reach up and expect me to pick you up? Yeah. Stinky diaper, like sticky fingers, like, yes, with joy. With absolute joy. And this is God's heart. He's like, unless you come like a child of weakness, not bringing anything. And so my question throughout the, the, the message, you'll see three applications. They're all different versions of the exact same question. I want you to ask yourself, how do you approach Jesus this morning? Like, we're going to see two different stories. This example of a child of weakness. A child is helpless, defenseless, messy, unsophisticated, disobedient, unable to keep themselves clean, unable to dress themselves. They consume, they do not contribute. So do you see yourself like that? Empty hands with sticky fingers, a messy diaper, just reaching up. Because sometimes I think we think God's annoyed with us when we come to him like that. Like, like maybe he's, it's been too many times. Maybe he expects more. Maybe if I come one more time all messed up, that's too much. And he's going to be like, where's the flowers and chocolates? And yet in reality, Jesus is going to say, unless we come like a child we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Because the danger is sometimes we want to be a child of works. Look at my contributions, Jesus. Look, look at what I'm bringing you, Jesus. I, I have my, my trinkets and my dollar store treasures, Jesus. Aren't you impressed? Look at my obedience, Jesus. Look at my good grades and my good works. Look at my accomplishments and my contributions. Aren't you impressed? Is it enough now? Will you love me now? Do you approve of me now? This is the danger inside of us all. We long for acceptance and approval, but everything in the world tells us we have to earn it. We have to do something to be of value. And God's saying, come like a child of weakness, not as a child of of works, and we're going to see this play out with this young man. Look at verse 17. And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone, and, and you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He's going through the Ten Commandments here. And the young man said to Jesus, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing, go, 
Sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I want you to hear the cry in this young man's heart Am I enough? What must I do? What more must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to be accepted by God? It seems like there's something in him that knows it's it's not enough. He succeeded in life. He has power. He has wealth. He's been obedient. And yet he's standing before Jesus and saying, is it enough? Am I enough now? Do you feel the cry from within that would cause a ruler to throw himself at Jesus' feet to ask such a question? The longing, the, the, the brokenness. And then there's something in Jesus' response. He starts with the traditional response. Because see, There was a perception at the time. Chuck Swindoll, pastor and author, says that the prevailing theology in Israel taught that natural-born Jews would, would inherit the kingdom of God unless they forfeited their birthright because they sinned. So, so here's the understanding at the time, right? This man's a Jew. He would inherit the kingdom of God so long as he, wasn't, he didn't mess it up. He just had to be good enough. Just do what you're told. Be a good little boy and everything will be fine and and you'll be accepted. And so Jesus begins here. Now, Now there was a clue that this man should have heard, but I think his broken heart could not hear it. When the man came to Jesus and said, good teacher, how does this man understand good? Jesus says only God is good. Jesus isn't saying that he's not God, but he's pointing out that only God is good. And then he's going to ask this man, do you think yourself good? And the young man then, Jesus asked, have you followed the commandments? And the man's response is, all my life, all my life since I was a little boy, I've been good. I've done what I was supposed to do. I followed the rules. I did what I was supposed to. Am I enough now? And I want you to imagine this young man, a ruler, wealthy, standing before God with all his stuff, all of his trinkets, all of his dollar store treasures, all of his wealth, all of his obedience, saying, am I enough now? Is this enough? Do I have to do more is more needed for me to inherit heaven. And holding our accolades and degrees and position and power and wealth, respect and righteousness, the question lingers. And then we see Jesus' response in verse 21. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. 
I just want us to understand the exchange that's happening here because sometimes if we're familiar with the story, we just read through it. This brokenness in this young man that would ask the question, Jesus looking at him with this genuine, deep love is going to then say to him, you lack one thing, go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Do you hear the Father heart of God that would invite him, that standing before Jesus is a man longing to be accepted, longing to be enough. And Jesus tells him one more thing. Lay it all down. Everything you're holding, you're good and you're bad. See, the man isn't just holding his wealth, but wealth was also considered an aspect of God's blessed me because I followed all the rules, right? I'm wealthy and I have position because I've done what I'm supposed to. See, everybody else tells me that I'm a good boy. Why don't you see that? Is that enough? And Jesus is like, lay it all down. Not just the wealth, but the perceived blessing, the perceived righteousness, everything that you're carrying in your arms, crying out and saying, is it enough now? What more do you want me to carry? And Jesus is going to say, lay it all down. To the child who carries all their stuffed animals, all their toys, desperately wanting to be picked up. And they're like, do you want me to hold one more toy, one more trinket? And you tell them, just put it all down. Let me pick you up and hold you. What is more valuable? Jesus wasn't just asking this man to lay down his wealth. That was part of it. He was asking him to lay down his righteousness, his perceived value and blessing. He was asking him to lay down his status and reputation. But what would other people think? Could he come as a child of weakness or with arms full? And what it tells us is the man was disheartened. It was downcast. Because though his heart cried out, his arms were full, and he couldn't bear to lay it all down. And so rather than laying it down, he turned and he walked away in deep, deep grief. Let me ask you this this morning. What are you carrying as you come to Jesus? Like I say this to the person who has not yet trusted in Jesus, but I also say this to the person who you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, and you're here this morning. You feel the, the vulnerability in your own heart, the part of you that wants to hide, the part of you that still feels like it's not enough, that even though you can say in Christ alone, there's still this lingering question, what more do I need to do, God? What are you carrying as you come to Jesus? And what is he inviting you to lay down? So that with empty hands and maybe even sticky fingers and all the messes that you carry with you, just to be a child of weakness that reaches up to him. 
I think part of that laying down, the, the language that we use in Scripture is that of repentance, to turn away. We're turning away from what we have been carrying and holding on to to seek approval, and we're laying that down and turning to Jesus. And so I think some of the things that we are invited to in Scripture to lay down is, yes, our sin, our wrongs, the shame and guilt in fears that come along with that. The things that make you say, maybe I'm too dirty. Maybe I'm too messed up. Maybe the shame is too great. And the call is to lay it down. Acts 3.19 says, repent therefore and turn back. Turn back that your sins may be blotted out. We have been created in the image of God. We've turned and we've trusted in our little trinkets and treasures. And God's like, lay that down and turn back to me. But are we willing to to lay down the things that we're finding value in? The things that, that God says, don't pick up, don't hold. And yet we've taken them to play with them and call them our own. And he's like, lay them down. But we're also called to repent of the things we haven't done. The, the should-haves and could-haves, and, and, and we, we must have done this. James 4, 17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So not only do we carry the things that, that, that we have done, but we also carry the things that we, we should have done. That conviction that we had to help this person, but we made excuses for why it was inconvenient. And now that guilt lingers. And we carry all the, I should have done this, I should have done that, but I did this. And we carry it all. And Jesus is like, lay it down. But sometimes, even as Christians, we carry our own goodness, our own righteousness. We carry, look what I've done for you, Jesus. Look where I've gone. Look how I've served you. Look at my accomplishments, Jesus. Aren't you impressed with these? And again, we're called to lay them down. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We have have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Do you see how unimpressive it is? That even as Christians, we think, here's my dirty laundry. Look at all my good things, Jesus. Aren't you impressed? Is this enough? And even our goodness, even our righteousness, we have to repent of. If we think that that brings us any kind of approval from God. It says to repent and lay it down. We come before God with empty hands. The kingdom of God is for children such as these. A child of weakness. This man went away with great grief. But I want us to see in Jesus how he responds. What he teaches the disciples and who he is. In Mark 10, beginning in verse 23. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples, they're amazed at his words because those who are wealthy, obviously they've been blessed by God because they've they've done what they're supposed to, right? 
What do you mean it's hard for them to enter the kingdom of God? But Jesus said to them, again, children, I just want us to feel the tone of Jesus' love in words. Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And and they were exceedingly astonished and said to them, then who can be saved? If the best among us can't be saved, how can any of us be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but with God, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. And, and then Peter, of course, he begins to speak and say to him, See, we've left everything and we've followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and childrens, and lands. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. <coughs> Do you see that the lingering aspect in the disciples' question? Like, if the best among us can't be saved, what chance do I have? Who among us can be saved? And Jesus' point is central. It's impossible with man. It would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is wealthy, someone who is carrying all of their stuff to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's only when it's laid down. Now, some have tried to explain this away, um, saying that it's a smaller door and a larger door. And when my wife and I lived in, in Jerusalem, that door was actually right outside of where we were living at the time. But that didn't come until much, much later. Really, what Jesus is saying is it's impossible. When pigs fly, we have our own ways of saying this, right? It's impossible. Unless a camel can go through the eye of a needle. It's impossible. With man, it is impossible to be enough. It is only because of God. And so how does God make the impossible possible? Like that's the question, right? If we're a child, what confidence can we have as we stand before Jesus? And the reality is there was a child who was promised back in the garden. In Genesis 3, 16, one who was promised, who would crush the head of the serpent, who would redeem. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Who would redeem and restore. This is what was, was promised from the beginning. A child of promise who would save, who would redeem. A better, truer, rich young ruler. See, Jesus is not asking this young man to do something that he himself has not done. Tim Keller, in his book, Jesus is King, says this. Jesus, who at this point is about 31 years old, looks at this rich young ruler and he identifies with him. 
Jesus, too, is a rich young man, far richer than this man can imagine. Jesus has lived in the incomprehensible glory, wealth, love, and joy of the Trinity from all eternity. He has already left that wealth behind. Paul says that through Jesus, though Jesus Christ was rich, for our sake, he became poor. He laid down his wealth. He laid down the riches of heaven to redeem mankind. And, and it's, Jesus is as if he's saying, I'm going into a poverty deeper than anyone has ever known. I'm giving it all away. Why? For you. Now you give it all away and follow me. That if Jesus gives away the big all for his glory and to get us, then can you give your little all to follow Jesus? Jesus isn't asking this young man to do anything he himself has not already done. Jesus is the ultimate rich young ruler who has given away the ultimate wealth to redeem mankind. And now he says to this rich young ruler, lay aside your trinkets to take hold of what is truly valuable. He looked at this man with a deep love. And here's the interesting thing. It says that the man, he was disheartened and he left deeply grieved. This is the same exact word that the Gospel of Matthew uses for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus is weeping before the Father, grieving what he knows is about, is awaiting him in the crucifixion on the cross, and, and he cries tears of blood, and he says, Lord, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours. And Jesus in his grief surrendered. This man in his grief walked away unwilling to surrender the trinkets. And so here's the question this morning. Coming back to where we began. You standing before Jesus now in this moment as a child of weakness or as a child of works? Are you carrying in your hands? Are you like the rich young ruler holding the accumulation of all your prizes and awards or shame and guilt, unwilling to lay them down, unwilling to let them go. Though you feel the brokenness and the longing inside, are you going to walk away in grief or will you surrender in gratitude? A child of weakness, helpless, defensive, defenseless, messy, unsophisticated, disobedient, unable to keep yourself clean, unable to dress yourself and just say, Lord, here I am. I pray that you hear and feel the Father heart of God this morning. Just as anyone would lovingly and with joy pick up their child to hold them, not push them away, when we come to God in all of our messiness and with none of our righteousness, 
He sees us with that kind of joy and love. What are you holding on to this morning? What are you unwilling to let go of? And by God's grace this morning, would you surrender that to Him? Looking to Him, bringing nothing, and just saying, Lord, would you bless me? My only hope, my only treasure is you. Let's pray. Lord, I I thank you for your word. Lord, I know even in myself there's always that that tug, that need. Is, Is it enough? Am I enough? Are you proud? Am I approved? Lord, I I want to earn it. I want to do something to deserve it. But Lord, you invite me just to come. Just as I am, that my only hope is in you. Lord, would you help us this morning to lay it all down. Lord, if it's guilt and the shame from sins that have been done, if it's the guilt and shames from good things that we failed to do, or if it's their own pride of what we've tried to do in your name and thinking that somehow that makes us approved, Lord, would you give us the strength to surrender it all, to lay it all down and lift our hands to you and surrender. Lord, would you be glorified in and through us. And in Jesus' name, amen.